Hey, Free Trail fam. Welcome back to the podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Dylan Bowman. Always so grateful for your time and attention. Joined again today by my good friend, the trail running icon and the pride of the Eastern Sierra, Tim Tollefson returns for his second appearance on the show. The last time Tim was here was about nine months ago, just before Western States 2021, where he battled through tough conditions and tougher competition for a fifth place finish that, as you will hear, carried feelings of both pride and disappointment. So we started our conversation there, where we left off last time, getting the full story of Tim's first Western States experience. Of course, we then talked about UTMB, where Tim succumbed to an unfortunate DNF that really was not a surprise to him, and you'll hear why. And then, of course, we talked about how he turned things around. This season, Tim has started his 2022 racing campaign with an incredible victory at the Way Too Cool 50K just a couple weeks ago, running the fourth fastest time in the race's storied history. And so it was really great to have this conversation. We talk a lot about running, yes, but really we use the sport and some of Tim's recent experiences as a way to talk about deeper things, about life and struggle and self-doubt and personal growth and career and all those things that occupy all of our brains so much. Tim and I are at a similar place in our lives. Uh, we're about the same age. And so I identify with a lot of the things that he's going through. And uh, it's really great to hear what's been on his mind recently and why he thinks he's in a great place heading into the 2022 racing season. Hope you guys enjoyed this convo. Before we get to it, a couple quick things that I want to mention. First, it is officially Gorge Waterfalls Race Week. We are super excited, a little overwhelmed, a little bit stressed, but very excited to welcome runners this weekend, bring back this classic Pacific Northwest event. We'll talk about it more on Free Trail Friday this week, but I'm really excited to host my first race after 12 or 13 years as a participant in the sport. I finally get to experience the other side of the event game and hopefully give back a little bit. We plan to do some fun race coverage on our Instagram account, going live on at Run Free Trail throughout the weekend. So if you don't already, please do follow us on Instagram at Run Free Trail and check in occasionally. We hope to entertain you as I and probably a couple other people attempt to chase some of these incredible athletes around through the forests here just outside of Portland, Oregon. And finally, as usual, we are very grateful for the support of Speedland at both Gorge Waterfalls and here on the podcast, where they are, of course, our presenting sponsor and a great supporter of all our hard work, which we are very grateful for. So please say thanks to them yourself. Visit runspeedland.com, follow them at runspeedland on Instagram, and check out their latest footwear offering, the SLHSV pre-orders are open now with product arriving in early May, just in time to gear up for some summer adventures. So again, big thanks again to Speedland for believing in us here at Free Trail. Excited to connect with those guys and hang out at the start finish line of Gorge Waterfalls all weekend. Okay, on with the show. Hope you guys enjoy this discussion with the great Tim Tollefson. See you in the outro. 
Tollefson. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. Glad to see you again. <laughs> you too, man. I apologize for my technical troubles here trying to get our podcast started but uh wait is this one is this one going to be on youtube also yes it is oh man i forgot my blush and like (laughs) i should have showered man you look so good always and uh yeah you're making it difficult for me to uh yeah look at myself here on the screen because uh that quaff on top of your head yeah. is always proud so you do not look a day over 30 uh, yes no. well we'll we'll talk about aging here later in our conversation cuz i think it's relevant to both of us right now in our careers but we'll save that for a little bit later um but welcome back man it's great to have you and uh always you know a major fan of yours big follower of it of your career and feel like we have a ton to talk about you've been quite active, uh, both, you know, competitively recently at way too cool, but also it's been dynamic times, the personal and career front. And so, uh, we're going to dive into all of it, but I was thinking about the best place to start. And I figure we basically just go back to the last time we talked, which was right before Western States 2021, about nine months ago. Uh, I figure we start there. Let's, uh, talk about the race at Western States you were in a great spot mentally um, and physically before the race. At least that's what I remember from our podcast. Um, and you were in a perfect place competitively. It started through Forest Hill when things kind of unraveled a bit on Cal Street. So give us the quick recap from Western States, because I'm not sure I've, I've heard you give a good long form uh, synopsis of what went down there. Oofta. Yeah, uh, I don't think I have actually publicly really given one. Um, Yes, yeah, States was, it was a, a mixed bag for me personally. I mean, you, it's hard to be disappointed with a fifth place finish at Western States, you know, that I, I'm proud of that. Um, but I think um, when I really reflect on it and, you know, just diving back into the experience itself, uh, I, I really was not proud of my effort there because I, I gave far from my best on the day. And I learned a lot from it. And I would have hoped that being seven years into this sport, I could have avoided some of those pitfalls, but I guess you're never Mm -hmm. above it. So it was a, it was a great learning experience, but objectively it's probably one of my worst performances in my career. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm just very proud that I did stick it out on the day because it gives me an opportunity to come back this next year. And, and really obviously all races deserve that of ourselves. Um, but especially a race like States. Um, and, and I, I mean, a bit of a tangent, just to not even explain the race, but I attended the lottery in December um, in person. And that was the first um, in-person lottery I've been at. And and that one, like I got chills watching the people get their names called and running up on stage. And, and it really just reinforced how special of an opportunity it is as an elite to be at States where, I mean, it, we, we've earned the right in a lot of events to, to show up on the line based on things that you've done. And, and I think, you know, high level sport that's, that's warranted, but it's easy to take those opportunities for granted. And I, I, I definitely have been, you know, guilty of that in my career where, but like watching these people that have been waiting three, four, eight years to get into States. And then they finally do, like I was choking up and it just made me realize like this next year and every other opportunity I've ever had to line up at States, like I will not like take that for granted again. Yeah. And, 
And, you know, I think it's all about like just giving my best on that day. And because I didn't do that in 2021, it's something that like really stung. Um, but uh, as we talked on the podcast leading up to it, I, I was in a better mental space than I had been in a while, but I think I still was a lot of pieces of the puzzle were floating around and I, I could say the things I wanted to like be living, but I wasn't quite mm. living what I felt I wanted. Um, and so then when you throw in, you know, variables like heat and it, like your effort and all these other things, like I just resorted back into, to, you know, bad coping mechanisms or mechanics. And, and mm. it, uh, you know, I essentially, yeah, I, I had the longest pity party I've ever had in a race where on Cal street, how <laughs> to, I sat down in the aid station and, and, you know, I'm, I'm tired, obviously you're 70 something miles in, but I, I just completely catered mentally. Like I, I was ready to drop out. I wanted, you know, the aid station volunteers to pull me, bless their hearts. They didn't. Um, and they made me continue on cause they could tell <laughs> I, I had my, my wits and I physically was capable. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not proud of how I handled myself like earlier on, but I'm, I'm proud of the finish. You know, I, yeah. I got it done. Um, and like I said, I have another opportunity to go back this year and I'm really excited to, to, um, to go in there with even better intentions than I had in the past. And, and I think that's what really excites me. So what was it though? Do you, you feel like you really struggled with, was it a combination of heat and maybe poor execution? I'd say the two biggest things were one nutritionally. Um, I don't have a great relationship with food and nutrition in general. And in an event where you're riding such a fine line, um, because of the heat, you can't get away with, uh, with, you know, a poor strategy. And, and so that early on bit me and then, you know, things as that starts to kind of, you know, that sets the trap for, for later things to kind of just go off the rails. Um, and so that was a big thing. And then also, I think, a a lot of my, my perspective or intent around the race, were just kind of still, still not, um, uh, like I didn't have a good grasp on why I was really doing what I was doing, you know, still hung up on, you know, some, some insecurities and, and driven out of maybe some, some deficits personally, where feeling that, Hey, I could validate myself or my worth through a performance here. And, you know, in, we all, or you end up realizing at some point in life that, that, that is a, a false belief and it's, it's flawed. And like, in, I catastrophize things in my mind on the day. So like, as I started having a race that wasn't going as well as I had dreamt of, or knew that I was capable of, I kind of just like, you know, yeah. Catastrophizing and thought, well, like it's, it's all lost. Like, and yeah. I say that when I'm in third place or fourth place, you know, yeah. and, but it felt like my day was over. And, and so I think it just highlighted how mentally vulnerable I was. And, and I wasn't, um, you know, in, in that headspace to, to give my best on the day. Like I was trying to you know, let's say be the best, not my best. And, and I think there's a, and a very important, like, like delineation between those two. Yeah. And, and I just wasn't um, able to reconcile or, or uh, remediate the issues that were popping up as quickly. And, and some of that goes into obviously the caloric deficiency that I built. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, so it's, Dude, it, was, it feels it like you've thing. put a lot of thought into this. I mean, it's <clears throat> super thoughtful answer. And I think, you know, opens up a lot of interesting doors. But, yeah. And, and we'll probably talk about it, but I like in that last podcast, I had mentioned like I'd been in therapy for some stuff. And, and so basically I've, I've continued like weekly therapy for two years and none of it has been sports oriented or like, you know, sports psych or performance based, 
but I'm starting to realize that like through just shedding a lot of personal insecurities or, or things that I've dealt with and doubled down on because I didn't know how to really cope with it, that like those were preventing me from doing like unlocking, you know, my best self or like self-actualization or whatever you want to term it. I, I feel like, like that stuff was just a major barrier. And when you're constantly battling yourself internally on that, sure, you can have flashes in the pan of success. And I've had that in my career, but I haven't been able to replicate as much or as frequently as I'd like to being a competitor um, because I'm just in my own way. Like yeah. I've, I've had to continue to learn to get over myself, I guess. Um, wow. But also it's, it's I, I, I feel like there's been this paradigm shift in my philosophy is like, you know, the impermanence and imperfect and incompleteness of life. And that last part, like, is no, I'm never going to achieve the state. Like, damn, I got it. Like, yes. now I, now oh I just God. know like next race and next race are going to be perfect. It's yes. a work in progress, you know, yeah. and, and granting Dude, yourself the I, grace to, to roll with it. Yeah. Wow, man. We're getting philosophical already. This is beautiful. I just read the book, the infinite game. And it's all about that, about how, oftentimes in life and sport and business, you like are just waiting until like you feel like you've made it, like you've got there and you can just relax. And the book's all about how it's an infinite game. You never get there. And so it's all about process. It's just another way of sort of totally driving that point home of process. So you made it to the finish line and I know it was a massively important thing for you to do to get there. And on, on the track during your finish line interview, you said something like that it was one of your proudest performances, even though it was well below your expectations and your potential on the course. Reflect on that pride and maybe how you're feeling about getting to the finish line in tough circumstances now, nine months later. Ooh. You know, crossing that line, it, it was, I think it just was so meaningful because despite having like that, that big low in the middle and, and giving up on myself, really, like I proved to myself that like all was not lost and you can turn things around at any moment. And, and essentially, I mean, something I've also learned in therapy is like rock bottom is where you decide to stop digging. It's kind of like you, you don't have to hit like a theoretical bottom. And, and like in that moment on at Cal too. I decided to stop digging myself a hole and started moving forward. Just and, let go of the competitive aspiration. Yeah. Just, and it's like, Hey, I'm just going to, yeah. this is where I'm at today. And I know I have more in me. And obviously the way I finished that course with the amount of like, I guess, speed, it highlighted that I just didn't tap my potential earlier on. Like dude, you and, were flying. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, it, and that was something I really will pull from that is that, you know, it's, and, and that's, again, it's a work in progress where I've had, you know, 30, 40 ultras in my career and I've had, you know, these learning opportunities, but you forget them. And it's, uh, um, but yeah, I, I think it meant a lot because one, I had so many, so much family and friend, like so many friends out there supporting me, um, you know, States or Auburn is almost a hometown race for me. And so having all those people that support me, uh, there at the finish line, like nieces and nephews, like when it's almost, you know, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, it, it was really special. And, and to, to know that like, 
you know, I was doing it for something more than just myself, um, which again, I can, we all can get in our own way. And like, it's kind of like get over yourself and then you can realize, you know, how special these moments are and, and what you're capable of. So I think the fact that I did eventually turn it around, uh, was something I was very proud of. Yeah. It's so funny. We're talking about it. Like it was a complete failure. You still, still finished fifth place at Western States. I know. But, I mean, and I, you know, I think that, that like for me, it, if we stripped the, the objective time res, like place out, I would have labeled it more as a, a failure, if you will, because yeah. I didn't give my best on the day. And I think that's what we all should be striving for. Yeah. And that's where we all could win. Um, regardless of place, like if you literally give your best and, and because I know I didn't, that was a hard thing to swallow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was far from a failure, but I guess that is just how you define failure or, you know, you know, reframe success essentially. It's just one moment in the infinite game. So yeah. let's fast forward to UTMB. You and I saw each other in Chamonix before the race and it was so clear that you were compromised and, we were walking through town as you and Lindsay were moving to a different hotel and Lindsay and I were both like, you know, Tim, you don't need to start this race. You probably shouldn't start this race. You had said that you hadn't had a pain-free run since before Western States, yet you still chose to stand at that start line. And of course, predictably, the race was kind of a disaster. And you said afterwards that you just didn't have the courage to not start the race, which strikes me as just like a really powerful, profound sort of lesson or message from that experience. Reflect on the UTMB experience and where you're mindset was at and, and why you felt like you needed to be at that start line? I needed to be at that start line out of like an emotional or uh, psychological deficit, essentially. Like, like, you know, it was insecurity that was driving me to that start line. Cause for all the reasons you listed, there was no objective reason for me to have started that race. Nothing had gone well. And it wasn't like, Oh, my workouts just didn't go. I was injured. Like I shouldn't have been doing it. Um, but I think out of insecurity of a feeling that, you know, I had just come off of a, a relatively unimpressive race, like goal race in the summer. Um, like sponsors had paid for my trip. All of these external variables were leading into that sense of feeling that I had to do something um, for others where the best thing for myself would have been to have pulled the plug, but I just, I wasn't emotionally strong enough to make that decision. Um, I wasn't at a place where I was, I guess, confident enough to, to do that. Um, and, and so, and UTMB, especially it's, I have a, I mean, I guess a storied past with it now. And, uh, and, you know, I've rode some of the highest highs you could at that event and, and had some pretty deep lows. Um, and, and the last couple outings out there, I have teetered more on that, 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 um, psychological state where I sh probably shouldn't have been there. But again, I, I feel like there's so much inertia and momentum behind me going there that yeah. it's expected. And it's kind of like, you get caught up in the hoopla and like, you know, okay, maybe I give myself a chance, but you know, if I'm really being honest with myself, definitely the last two outings there, I should not have even started. Right. Um, I'm just hoping for a miracle. You're basically. just, yeah. And it's like swinging it for the fences where, where, I mean, as 
I don't think anyone should really do that to themselves because it sets you up for, for uh, a big fall. Um, especially if you're driven into that state because of some sort of emotional, you know, kind of deficit or, um, you know, insecurity, then you're going to deal with the fallout even worse and probably double down on stuff. So, so um, what are your feelings about the race at this point as perhaps the most successful American to ever do the event, but who has also had a couple high profile recent failures? What are your feelings about UTMB, your position in its history and how you hope it fits into your future career? Oh, yeah. UTMB. Um, I guess I, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I, after 2017, that year that you were in the race and we shared quite a few miles <laughs> yeah. uh, until your you're what a, a bit of a snafu one. with yeah. some gloves and gear. Um, but I, uh, I, I think I, well, I, I know I proved to myself in 2017 that I have what it takes to win that race. Um, and I'm capable of it. Um, now, you know, obviously in 2017, Francois and Killian ran out of their minds and it, it didn't happen. Um, but, uh, and then in the following year, 2018, I was poised, probably I felt stronger in my prep and, and ready to, to go after it. Um, and I took a, a bad fall and, and cut my leg open and, and, um, in, in hindsight, talking to some people, I'm actually like, I can't say thankful. Cause if I could have won in 2018, I would have taken a win, you know, like it, it would have been awesome, but I am grateful actually in a sense. And it's strange to say that I didn't win in 2018 because I was so deep into a lot of these, you know, disordered like thought patterns and, and actions that I hadn't even begun to try and like unpack any personal stuff mm -hmm. that I would have doubled down on so many of these unhealthy patterns with a win. And it would set me off on another path just to, you know, kind of, I, I think it would have driven me into a deeper area that I wasn't ready to handle with emotionally, you know, it would have skyrocketed me into an area where insecurities would have really like, I mean, they've been like pretty deep in my life, but they would have gotten even deeper. Like those roots would have been hard to like, I feel like dig out eventually. So mm -hmm. from that, that aspect, it, it's kind of a good thing that I, I didn't, um, you know, have the success like outwardly over the last couple of years there. Um, but what I've realized is I need to just be strong enough personally to not start unless I'm in a good physical and mental space. Um, and especially just in the last like four months and, and, you know, we'll talk about way too cool a little bit. Uh, I feel like I'm getting closer to that space where I will be able to get out of my own way and, and be able to go in with intentions that are right for me. And, and some of that is also like getting over this false sense of humility of like saying it's, or realizing it's okay to say, I want to win UTMB. It's okay yeah. for me to say, I want to win States. Um, but that's not the most important thing, but you know, we train with that intent. Um, but I think that for a long time, I was at odds with that thinking like, Oh, if I say that, like, it's, it's somehow a bad thing. And like, you know, it, I kind of had an, like an internal struggle over that component. Um, and so like, I feel like there's just been a lot of aspects that have not been in line in alignment. Um, but now realizing that if I go into UTMB and I am in a good mental space, I know that I can win that race. Yeah. And at some point I think I will. Um, 
But if this year states is the focus, if my body's not recovered, I'm not even going to try it. We'll get to that. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so maybe to push you a little bit, I mean, when you talk about disordered thoughts, right? Is that sort of something where you're attaching meaning to what a victory or a defeat means for you personally? Is that what you mean by sort of the significance that you're putting on these races and maybe the unhealthy patterns in your mind that are attached to them? Yeah, there's definitely a component of that. It's, um, it, it's, it's pretty layered and, and I'll keep it superficial at the moment. Cause I'm not quite ready to sure. uh, like definitely dive in there, but there, there's a strong component of that. You know, like you said earlier, you know, you're going to like, you'll achieve some state if you accomplish something. Um, and, and there's that, that very strong association between, you know, my personal worth or place in, in society or my personal relationships is going to be validated somehow through this accomplishment. And, and as you said, that's, that doesn't exist. Like you, you, you can't ever completely validate or, or get somewhere with this next thing. There's always going to be another thing to accomplish. Um, and, and in our heads, we build it up as though this, it could be this enlightening or aha moment, but it's, it's not as big as we, we make it out to be. Um, the infinite and, game. <laughs> as I, I need to look at this book. I'm not yeah. familiar with that. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, and Lindsay love, very lovingly and, and uh, humorously will, will say, she's like, you're not that special. You know, like she says it with the best intense, but it's like, sometimes yeah. you need to hear that. It's like, we, and especially if, like, I'm not someone that's very open. Like I'm very outwardly uh, charismatic on social media because I have, not have to, but, you know, I can play that persona. But my, my natural instinct is very, very um uh, internal and closed off. And I have a hard time opening up with like actual conversations or, um, you know, anything below surface level stuff with people. So then you get stuck in your head, you know, you build things up to be much bigger than they are. Um, and when left unchecked, your head can become like the worst echo chamber Mm -hmm. and, you know, things can really take root and seeds of doubt or insecurity or, or whatever it is can really kind of overpower, um, your, your ability to even think rationally or, or kind of, um, rank and rate things in a real sense. Um, so a lot of stuff I've done throughout therapy is just one, giving myself an emotional toolkit to work with. So I even know what I'm, you know, kind of experiencing, um, you know, and learning to sit with feelings. Cause that's another thing, you know, and I think a lot of us, you get uncomfortable feelings and we learn, um, maladapted ways to suppress those. Yeah. And it can come through a, a multitude of different, um, you know, forms, you know, through physical addictions or, uh, you know, substance addiction, yeah. you know, like a lot of things. And, and it's because we're trying to suppress emotion. You don't want to feel what you're feeling. And it's like, okay, like I need to actually like sit back and let this sink, like sit, set in. And, and what is funny is like, I've realized some of this internal work, it's harder than UTMB's course. It's harder than any ultra marathon. Like I've, yeah. I've tackled, like, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's, it's, it's a struggle. Um, but it's also rewarding because oh. it, it, I mean, it, it translates into every domain of my life. Like, I mean, personal relationships are being strengthened, like having conversations with loved ones. I wish I had done 20 years ago. And I mean, it, again, it's a long work in progress, but it excites me because I start to see how like I show up better in my personal life and with the relationships. And then selfishly, I know it will translate into better physical perform, like athletic performances. And that's where I get stoked. It's like, I just turned 37, but I honestly think I could have my best years ahead 
in the sport of ultra running. Yes, um, dude. Wow. I, and that excites me because I, I love running, but I've had such a, whew, I've had a very difficult relationship with running over my entire life where mm. in a lot of ways, I told Mario, my coach, this is like, it's strange to say, but without running, I may have actually had a healthier life. Huh. And I mean, that's, that's an odd thing to say, but but that because you're maybe using it as a maladaptive way to suppress emotion. without a doubt, wow. like a lot, of, a lot of different things. And, and I, unfortunately I think in, in the sport or endurance sports in general, that's not uncommon. Oh yeah. Um, like, I mean, they, but we can easily, um, we can easily celebrate or ma- we can easily mask these things through like, oh, you're so determined or you're, you're so gritty. Like I wish I had half the, or an ounce of the amount of dedication you have. It's like, well, do you know what's driving some of these people or myself included? And like, I think it's, it's easy for us to celebrate, um, unhealthy patterns in our sport. And, and I hope that's something that starts that narrative changes because it's the people that are struggling. It's painful. It's isolating. It's lonely. It, I mean, it, unfortunately I've actually, you know, lost friends to, to things, you know, it, it can lead to very dark places and, mm-hmm. and it, it's, and not to get dark in this podcast, but it, it's just something I hope that like those narratives continue to change and it doesn't become as taboo and we can like be vocal about things. Um, because I'm personally just seeing how much it has shifted like my life. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. That's yeah. really a beautiful answer. And I've been in therapy myself recently and I have been dealing with a lot of stress and preoccupied deeply about something where basically I just had a big decision that I needed to make. And without going into too much detail, my intuition was so strongly on one side of this decision matrix, but I was just so scared to align myself with that intuition and do what in my bones I knew was right. Maybe reflect on intuition a little bit, because I'm sure at UTMB last year, you had a deep intuition of like, I shouldn't be here, but I'm here because of the fact that, you know, I need to impress my sponsors or I need to live up to the two podium performances that I've had here. I need to avenge the DNFs. Reflect on uh, maybe how you've been able to get more in touch with your intuition. That's that's a or, or if it's relevant to you. I mean, I'm just I'm just bringing it, it up. Yeah. yeah um, personally, I feel that I haven't been able to trust my intuition. Um, you know, maybe you acknowledge it, but. It, I think with any sort of like addictive personality or like someone that might struggle with like different um, kind of components, you can easily like, you have to relearn to trust your intuition. Like you have to relearn to trust yourself. Like I, for a long time, I've used a lot of external or internal, like basically metrics or um, gauges to try to monitor or mediate things that were maladapted and like basically like having to let those go is really hard like especially if you're someone that might ruminate on things and and it's uh and then to like re re-educate yourself on what nor not normal but like what a healthy relationship with certain things are is hard so like you feel like you're starting without like a built-up intuition um but like with utmb specifically like i mean i i I knew that I shouldn't have done it. So my intuition there was saying, don't do it. Um, and, but again, I just, 
I wasn't uh, strong enough to, to listen to that because yeah. there are all these other things that feel that, you know, it's in my mind, it was like, it's better to start and then like DNF because then you could be like, Hey, I gave it a shot, you know, and, and hide behind that almost, mm-hmm. um, where I think there is just that it takes the courage to listen to the intuition. You know? Yeah. Where it's not courageous to start a race when you're injured. When you're it's injured. not courageous to finish a race when you're injured, you know, DNF at, at all costs or DN, no DNFs at all costs, I think is a terrible uh, you know, kind of philosophy to have in our sport. There are a lot of reasons, great reasons to drop out of a race. Like if it's harmful to you, your loved ones, others, like we should not be above ourselves to pull the plug, um, or not start. Um, and, and so I think like, yeah, my intuition was telling me no in that sense. And, and I definitely wasn't listening to it because the voices in my head were too loud. Yeah. yeah. It was like, uh, me before I got on the plane to the grand raid, yes. like hoping for a miracle, knowing deep down that my intuition was just screaming, man, just stay home and focus yeah. on getting but some of that is you have to learn to get over yourself or your ego. Yeah. You, know, you have to, or make, make peace with your ego and, and recognize yeah. ego isn't a bad thing, but it can lead us to do things that aren't the best for ourselves or others. Yeah. Well, my therapist asked me what was a very simple and profound question, which was, have you had trouble listening to your intuition in life? And it made me think like, honestly, no, I haven't. But recently there's been a few notable examples where I've, done something totally contrary to a very strong internal intuition. And so with this thing that was preoccupying me so deeply for the last couple of months, I trust my intuition made the decision that I need to needed to, and, uh, feel a lot better as as a result. (laughs) That's good. So anyway, so catch us up from there. You didn't race after UTMB, uh, and, you started 2022 with a triumphant victory at way too cool, which we'll talk about in a sec. Uh, I'm sure there was some temptation after UTMB to sort of put something on the calendar. There's always that instinct to like chase, you know, I've got to avenge this DNF. I've got to put something on the calendar. And especially after a unsatisfying, though solid fifth place performance at Western States, what have you been up to personally and professionally since UTMB, what was uh, the fall and uh, turn of the new year like for Tim Tolson? Uh, so there was huge temptation for for all those reasons you you said, um, and and that really goes back to that root of like, okay, what's driving you to do these things? You know, and and it was you know all of the wrong reasons, honestly. You know, it, it wasn't uh, in my best interest to to jump back into something, um, and uh, so the fall. Um, what was really helpful was I spent more time, um, just basically being, uh, my support for Lindsay as she was preparing for CIM in December, um, and being available for workouts, um, on her, like in her buildup, um, hopping into a few other, uh, races with some friends, um, which was really fun just to basically, yeah, get away from everything being about me and, and, you know, maybe kind of helping others in, in my, 
my close circle. Um, so that was really fun. Um, was able to pace Lindsay at CIM to her second best marathon ever, almost a PR, um, you know, after almost eight years away from this, like basically kind of running her, her best races. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, also helped our buddy Fernando in a half marathon. And, uh, and I mean, actually that, that half marathon was interesting because I, I had not done any real preparatory work for it. And, and my intention on that race was just to help him as long as I could. And, you know, so there was no expectations on myself and throughout that race, I surprised myself on finishing much faster than I thought I would, but it was because I was basically serving someone else. And that was kind of a, a neat little thing where it was like, oh. I'm not doing this for me. And I tapped into potential that was there, but I would have probably had a governor on myself had I been doing it for myself, which was kind of a, a really neat, uh, revelatory experience, I think. Cool. Um, and, uh, and then the, like, but then, you know, I'm not above I, December rolls around January. I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to sign up for black canyons. Like I don't need a golden ticket, but I need to like, you know, I need, I need to feed my ego. I need to be sure. relevant. You know, I need mm -hmm. to, you know, keep my sponsors happy. Like there's that fear of, okay, I haven't really raced since June. And although, you know, my main sponsor Hoka has been very supportive in our, you know, I guess this is my sixth year with them now. Like they've never you know, done anything to, um, you know, that would indicate otherwise that they're unhappy with my, my place in the sport because I am such like an anxious and nervous person and I don't have a great line of communication or I haven't been open about like, you know, talking these things through with, you know, my, my key managers, I build up narratives in my head that if I don't do this, like, I'm on the chopping block, you know, and, and in reality, I know that's not true, but because I, I have been too nervous to even broach those conversations, I build up a scenario in my head where it leads me to do things I shouldn't be doing. Um, but ultimately, thankfully this time I realized that black canyons, I was doing it for all of the wrong reasons and doing hundred K in February in the desert was even if it went well, it wasn't good for my overall 2022 season. So I pulled the plug. Um, and actually this was probably, I'd say one of the most pivotal points in my career. Um, my coach and I, Mario, um, we then spent basically the final six weeks before way too cool, um, with a completely novel approach for training than I've ever done. And it mirrored with more of a professional side that we'll talk to, to eventually, but I basically backed off everything. Like I backed off volume. I backed off intensity. I backed off my, my work professional life. Um, and a lot of that intent was so that I had energy and time and basically just, I was able to focus on the things that I've been trying to do in therapy and others and let those sink in and prioritize myself and not prioritize the running, not prioritize all these external variables, but really just honestly take time for me. Um, and that allowed more growth, I think in like six weeks than I've experienced in a long time, because it's like, you know, you put in the same input, you're going to get the same output. And like, I've been in that cycle where it's like, okay, I, I'm putting in this, I'm getting that out. It's like, how can you be frustrated? You're, nothing you're changes. not changing. Any. Nothing changes. <laughs> and, and so I, I really need to make that change, but change is scary. Like, I mean, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And, and for me, like, again, if you, if you deal with anxiety and other, like, it's like it can lead you to stay on an unhealthy path because you're so worried about the future or guilting over the past that you're not going to make change but that just is going to lead you down to a predictable path. And, and so like, you know, in this winter, let's say end of January, early or throughout February, 
we backed off. Like I was do, running less mileage than I would for a race. I only did one workout per week. Um, that workout wasn't even like anything to write home about necessarily. But one thing I did to marry this kind of new mindset and philosophy was I stopped, I literally stopped looking at my watch. I stopped looking at metrics on social media, like Strava, where in the past, I'm not like, like a lot of us, you get hung up on like, like being worried more about it's, engagement with others than what the workout or the effort meant to like to yourself. And so it's like, you could have an amazing run that like, you know, is like putting money in the bank, like to have a great performance. But if, if for whatever reason, like it didn't get the, the feedback that you were building up in your head, like, I mean, personally that could, you know, start to erode my confidence. Um, and, and I mean, that goes to a lot of that, like, you know, fear of other people's opinions or like needing that external validation of what you're doing to, to feel like you're on the right path. Um, so I basically stripped myself of that stuff, try to like, you know, cleanse, uh, all of those variables that weren't helping and went into way too cool. Um, and Mario and I talked about, I was like, I was prepared to take an L like, I'm like, Hey, I, I don't need to win this, but our goal on this day is, like you're not going to stop pushing and you're going to get the most out of yourself on that day. And, and that was my intent. And, you know, obviously I, I felt like I, I could win, um, but I didn't need to win. And that's the first time I think I've actually honestly felt like accepted that, that like, Hey, I'm just going to go in here, everything I can do on the day. If that gets me fourth place, that gets me fourth place, but I'll be yeah. proud of the effort. Mm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I don't know. That was a, that was kind of the circuitous way of, how I approached way too cool. Yeah. Well, I think maybe we should talk about the career stuff before coming back to way too cool. Cause I think maybe it'll feed into that conversation a little bit more. And I love the way that you set it up and yeah. Talked about Mario and your guys' changing approach, but we just touched on the scary nature of change. Right. And you and I spoke on the phone a couple of weeks ago and we're both going through similar times in our lives, in our careers We've both made respective leaps of faith. What can you share with the listeners on the career front? I'm sure people would love to hear about the specifics as well as the thought process behind it. Sure. So, um, and, and yeah, really my, my true professional life is a, a physical therapist here in Mammoth Lakes, um, which I've been doing for a decade and work at our sports center and, you know, serving our local and visiting professional recreational communities. And, you know, it's, it's something I've done yeah, for 10 years full time. And, you know, also it took eight years of, of university to get to that point. Um, and so, but also for a long time, I've known that like the amount of time and energy I put into that has also been, been starving me of my, my true potential in running and some of these other, you know, basically kind of this creative side of me that I've wanted to lean into. Um, and, but when you have, and I think this is true for a lot of people, like you go down a path and there's so much inertia or, you know, kind of investment behind what you're doing. It's really hard to then pivot and change direction. Like, you know, like PT, the PT world, this has been 18 years of my life, basically. Like, and to suddenly say, I'm going to, you know, back off of a great career that's serving my community to pursue something else is scary. Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're leaving you're leaving stability, you're leaving, you know, basically an identity to then like jump onto this other track. But I knew for a long time, this other track is something I really wanted to like pursue. And, and 
because there's this internal struggle, it led to even more anxiety, more fear of failure, more like doubling down on unhealthy patterns where I wasn't doing anything great. Like, you know, I felt like I was just barely holding everything together. Um, and like then basically just leading to like burnout. Um, and, but so this, this other path, like as outside of just running professionally, um, you know, it's, a uh, really like, like I've been on the back or like kind of my third hustle <laughs> career has been uh, slowly developing um, an event here in Mammoth, like an ultra marathon and trail uh, racing circuit that uh, I wanted to be able to share my love of trail running the Eastern Sierra Mammoth Lakes with other people. And, you know, it's something that uh, I've known is, is like, it's, it's long overdue. Uh, I think it's a perfect place to be doing it. Um, but I, I just had so many other things going on. I couldn't dedicate time to it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm backing off the PT world and I'm just per diem now at the hospital. So I, I am still there in some capacity to, um, you know, kind of continue to contribute to our community, but I'm going to be contributing in a much bit different and bigger way where, you know, I, I'm now going full, like into this race development, uh, the mammoth trail fest, and we're going to be having our first ever event this fall. Um, and it's exciting because I mean, trail running has, and running have changed my life. And I want to be able to provide a platform for people to experience that same thing. And, and Mammoth Lakes is a perfect place for it, but fear of failure was immense. You know, taking that in, I've, I've basically been trying to like step away from the hospital for two years. And for a number of reasons, I kept pulling myself back in or I'd get pulled back in. And there's like, like, you're constantly dealing with that internal it's, struggle. There's and, fear to take a leap of faith. So maybe going yeah. back to what we just talked about, I mean, Change is scary. Change is risky. You're putting your own name, reputation on the line to try and start this race event. Mammoth is, of course, one of the greatest places in the world to trail run. And it deserves this type of event that you're envisioning. But of course, it involves risk and it's scary. So maybe to ask you the, the question that my therapist asked me, I mean, Where's your intuition on it? I mean, it seems that probably you are feeling a strong intuition of like, I want to do this race event and to do that, you know, there's going to have to be hard decisions that are made. And that is breaking the inertia of this longtime physical therapy career. Is that uh, a correct characterization of maybe your internal conversation? Definitely. And even my therapist would say, okay, what's the worst that could happen? It's like, are you going to go bankrupt? Is Lindsay going to leave you? Is, you know, all these, and it's like, no, no, no. Okay. I have no reason that I shouldn't pursue this creative outlet, but I, I, it's, uh, I think it's that, you know, yeah, overcoming the fear of potential failure and just taking a chance. Um, but my, my heart has always said, this is the right thing to do. Um, and it's the thing I really want to do. And even though I wasn't doing it, I was working full time. I was running full time. And then like in every spare moment, I was like pouring energy into this other thing. And it's like, okay, well you're doing that. You're not making any money. You're not like, but you continue to spend all of your waking hours doing that. Like, why aren't you like prioritizing that? Like, cause if you really put your energy into it, what could it become? Mm. Um, so yeah, I, my, my intuition is, is telling me that it's something I want to do. And, and, uh, and then I started to realize, um, you know, there was a lot of external interest in what I was starting to build. And it validated my belief that this was something not only that I wanted to do, but it could be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still scary. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you leave that traditional track, and I think it's very true for going into a creative outlet, 
um, especially if you're coming out of like any traditional, let's call it, um, you know, uh, vocational like practice, mm-hmm. especially like leaving a medical model to then pursue a creative outlet. Like that, that's a major 180. Yeah. You it's know, a it, totally it's, uh, different part of your brain that you're I mean, using, probably, that's probably why oh, it's so oh. fun. I mean, I, I totally identify yeah. with everything you just said. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, there was a lot of inertia behind sort of what I was doing and eventually you just have to be all in, you have to, and there's no other way for things to be successful. And, you know, I deal with endless amounts of insecurity and uh, yeah. second guessing of the path that I'm on. But then, yeah, you do get that external validation or the feedback from people who kind of give you hope that you're not crazy and that you are heading in the right direction. Last time you were on the podcast, we talked about the Mammoth Trail Fest just, you know, for a quick moment, I think at the end. And so maybe fill in any gaps there, maybe uh provide the vision for what is going to be hopefully the inaugural event this year? So we are going to launch a three-day running festival, a trail running fest, um, uh, September 22nd through the 25th here in Mammoth Lakes. Uh, three different discipline or different distances. Friday, we're going to have a 26 K Saturday, a 50 K and Sunday, a hill climb up to like the world famous dragons back climb to the summit of mammoth mountain, which I know you put in some, some laps on there, uh, in your hard rock build. Um, and then also, you know, a lot of, so this, this event has been incubating since 2016. Um, when I, when I did UTMB my first time, um, the CEO of mammoth mountain followed, you know, all night long, my exploits over there. And I got back and we were hanging out and he said, why don't we have something like that in, in mammoth? And I said, why don't we? You tell You're me. You're in charge, like, bro. No, right? <laughs> You're like, the boss. <laughs> come on. Um, but then, like, you know, it, it just started to build each year. He's like, man, this is amazing. Like, you know, and we have a venue. We should do this. Um, and But then it's like, you know, I'm stretched so thin with all my different, you know, vocations. It just wasn't going to happen for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this year, you know, I guess it's really my, my vision is to try and share so many things that I've loved about European w- global racing that I've had opportunities to do, but in California with like a serious California flair for people that may never be able to, or don't want to travel abroad. Uh, you know, and I think it's going to be a, you know, obviously we're going to have, you know, amazing competitive races, but I want it to be really about the experience where we can come, we can connect, we can share stories, um, you know, going to utilize, you know, you and your, your fantastic team of, you know, trying to help convey, you know, spread the gospel of trail running and why it's so amazing. And, and, basically just be a platform for for people to, you know, do that. Um, and part of me is also like kind of that redefining success, like in my head, okay, if I don't have 10,000 people in year one, it's a failure. It's like, no, no, no. If if we have 15 people show up and they absolutely love it, they'd be fall in love with trail running and they go off and they like spread that with other people. That was a success, you know? And like, so it's kind of reframing like what I think a failure would be. Um, but I, I just want to be able to share, you know, this trail running with pe- as many people as possible. Um, and, and then also, you know, have it where you come in and whether you have a, that amazing race or you, you DNF, like you get so much more out of the weekend because it wasn't just your event, you know, like your specific race, like you can listen to Dylan talk, or you can connect with some people and watch an inspiring film, like all these really cool things that make a weekend so much more about community than the actual race itself is what I, I hope to build here. Um, and partnering with people that believe in the same thing, like 
I like like undoubtedly I know it will become that. Um, it's just going to you know take time, but I'm stoked for year one just for people to come and share this with whoever does. Um, I think it's going to be a great weekend. So. Yeah. So quickly, where can people learn more so that I can include it in the show notes and yeah. drive some, uh, <laughs> some people to the website? Um, mammothtrailfest.com is, uh, where we're, uh, is our domain for everything. So okay. on there, you can find stuff about the individual races, the event weekend and, and a link to registration, which is through ultra sign up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations, man. <laughs> like I, I know this is something that's been on your mind for years and it does take, risk it takes commitment and it takes unrelenting hard work it never yeah. stops and uh yeah like i said it needs to exist and you're the person to do it so and i just feel like you know and I'd kind of back to the beginning of the conversation like having an appreciation for what other people have gone through like, you know, through the state's lottery, this has really given me an appreciation for all of the events you and I've been to around the globe and how much work has gone into those things where it's easy to take that for granted. But now seeing how the sausage is made has been really rewarding and humbling. And it's kind of like, Hey, I've had these incredible experiences. Like it's time to share that with others, you know, pay it forward. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, permitting took us years to basically lock down like, and, but it's all going to be worth it in the long run. No doubt. Yeah. Trust me. I'm going to be a race director for the first time about one week from now <laughs> for the Gorge waterfalls, hundred K and yeah. 50 K and it's given me a renewed appreciation yeah. and a understanding of the challenges of putting on an event. And we are very lucky to have a great partner in daybreak racing and Jeremy long to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but Shout out to all the race directors out there. It's seriously hard work. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. Are you guys training for your next big race? Has the 2022 season started yet? Well, Gnarly Nutrition gets it. They know where you're at because this is a team filled with mountain sport athletes just like you and I, and with a full line of NSF certified products that are natural, effective, and delicious. Gnarly knows what it takes to cross the finish line. So when you are planning your training nutrition, organizing your crew support and drop bags, or thinking about your post-run recovery, I would encourage you to reach for Gnarly Nutrition. You guys have heard me talk about the Fuel 2.0 drink mix a lot. I also love the Gnarly BCAAs. I have come to learn that branch chain amino acids are critical to muscle health and muscle recovery. And honestly, I've noticed a big difference in my recovery since I started using this drink mix on pretty much a daily basis. So check out the Gnarly BCAAs, check out the Fuel 2.0, go visit gonarly.com, use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. gonarly.com, FREETRAIL15. FREETRAIL is grateful to have the support of Inside Tracker. As trail runners, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood, literally and figuratively. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, the right nutrition, the right supplementation for you and your unique body. It's a really great tool to see 
where you're optimized and where you're not, where you can improve. And if you're a Garmin user like myself, you can connect Inside Tracker to your device to unlock real time recovery tips after completing your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. I did my Inside Tracker blood test a few days ago. It was super easy, a totally seamless experience at the testing center. I'm waiting on the results now. I'm really excited to get those back, learn from it, share the results with you all, and let you know how I'm gonna change my behavior, my training, my nutrition as a result of what we learn. You should do this too, honestly, it's really cool. It's a really important thing to just check in on yourself every once in a while. And for a limited time, you can take advantage of the special offer. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Basically, take advantage of the test that I just took as well. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash free trail to take advantage of this 20% offer. There's a link in the show notes, but insidetracker.com forward slash free trail. So let's circle yeah, back yeah. to way too cool now. Um, you know, we spoke on the phone a couple of weeks ago. You mentioned that you and Mario had sort of adjusted things. You turned the volume down, you turned the intensity down and opened up just this extra space and extra energy that ultimately resulted in a victory at way too cool. Maybe give us the the blow by blow. It wasn't until later in the race until you actually took the lead, right? How did it, how did it go? How did it go down? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just an awesome three hours of racing. And I was telling Lindsay, that's what I miss most. The deeper I get into ultras is sometimes, you know, the longer races, it's more of like managing all these variables and like, okay, let's make sure I can get to the end where a faster 50 K like way too cool it's, you know, a bare knuckle boxing match out there, like, yeah. like full throttle. It's that F1 style of racing where it's just like, if anything can go wrong, like you're out, like you can't, re you can't recover. Um, and, yeah. uh, so yeah, I went in and, and I, I felt confident that like I'd done enough training, um, you know, to, to have a really solid day. But, um, I, I also knew that like with the field, like Darren Thomas, he's an incredible young athlete. Yes. Um, and, you know, there was some speedsters in there. So I, I kind of, you know, started to try and just tap into a little more like, Hey, let's strategy wise, like what might I be able to do to, to, you know, kind of give myself a good day. And, and so some of that was like, well, I'm just going to take it at hard because I know I have strength. Um, and maybe some of these other guys don't. So my intent was like, let's just hit the gas right out of the gates. And so wow, like, that's not you know, your style, man. It's not <laughs> run a few <laughs> races with you, but I'm like, Hey, I'll, I'll just set the trap. Um, and, and I knew I was, I was going to ride the line, but I also have so many lifetime miles and strength, so much strength behind me that I like, I feel like I could endure more than maybe some of these others. So like first two miles, way too cool. It's downhill on a road. Um, you know, we opened it pretty quick and not, you know, not ridiculous, but you know, we're running 520 pace, like at the beginning of a 50 K. Um, and then pretty quickly though, like the, I thought I might string out the field and the, like, eight guys or no, maybe seven guys passed me at like mile two. And I just thought, okay, this is going to, this is going to be a tough one, you know? And, and I only recognized one of them, Darren and the other six, I'm thinking, 
it's like, I don't know how this is going to shake out, but like, I'm just going to like trust it. Um, and, uh, and so I, I kept, you know, just kind of staying in, like I said earlier, my mantra was push. Like I just said, Hey, I'm going to get the most out of myself on this day, regardless of where I am. And so when it was getting hard, I just was like, push, you know, when, when my legs were going to give up push, you know, I, so I never gave myself the opportunity to back off. Um, but by mile 18, I was, I was up into fourth place. And I was at that point, I kind of had accepted, I might finish fourth place today because they were nowhere in sight. Um, and, and, but that goes back to what we're saying, like, you know, my intent, like if, if my intent was to get the most out of myself on that day and it was fourth place, I knew I would be proud of that. Um, so like, I knew I could keep pushing. So I kept pushing, but going into alt, um, the aid station there. Uh, and now you're on the Western States course, which is really, really fun. Um, I caught third place at the aid station. I was like, okay, like I'm in third place. Like, so I'm just going to keep pushing. And then I'm hammering. And then probably about mile 23, 24, like my calf muscles start to like, really start to kind of quiver and almost cramp. Cause we're going faster than I, <laughs> I, I was, I was tapping everything, like scraping the bottom of the well, basically from a fitness standpoint, because we hadn't done the prep that I, I normally would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that was kind of cool. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm tapping into this from the mental side, not from the physical side. Um, but I didn't catch Darren until goat Hill, which is mile 26. Um, so I move into second place at mile 26 and then, um, there's first place is not in sight, but I'm like, Hey, I still have something in the tank. I can keep pushing. So I keep pushing. I hammer down this like Rocky little descent. And then you intercept the States trail again. And this final climb, there's a little Rocky area right before you can see the quarry. And then you cross highway 49 mile 93 of Western States. And so now in my head, I'm like reliving, not only States, the 2010 unbreakable. Yes. And I turn corner and here's first place like stumbling up a little rocky climb and i couldn't help but think like jeff rose like catching anton right before the highway um and so i passed him right before the highway i come across the highway and that was the first time that like people like relayed to the finish oh tim's in first now and like so everyone at the finish line like my family like what like and so then i just hammered it home um but it, I mean, obviously winning is, is really great and end up being like the fourth fastest time ever. But what I'm really proud of is that I just didn't give up on myself in that day. Like even when I conceded, Hey, I'm probably in fourth place. I'm going to keep pushing where it States last year when I was in fourth place and falling apart or not even falling apart. Like I saw people catching up, like I gave up mm-hmm. where I could have kept pushing like, and I didn't. So like it's all about trying to replicate that moving forward where I just want to keep getting the most out of myself and letting those external variables, you know, go. And I think that's when myself or anyone can be at our best is if we have that as our intent, you know, you can have a lofty goal. You want to hit your Boston qualifier. You want to qualify for States. You want to, you know, win the race, set a course record. But when those things fall, like kind of go out the window, what else can you still do on the day? You know, like, and it's not like giving yourself, you know, contingency plans where you can give up on your, your ultimate goal, but it's more like, you know, stop trying to like, you know, be the best and just be your best. And I think that was really what I was able to live at way too cool this year. And so that's what I'm most proud of that. Like, Hey, you know, I came out of that and it it kind of, it was like, I unlocked a cheat code where it's like, you know, if I can continue to cultivate this, what could I be what could I be capable of, you know, mm-hmm. in the coming races this year and beyond? Um, wow. cause it, it really feels like it's, and, and that's something where, you know, I, 
but I also recognize how hard it is to replicate that, you know, it's, you know, cause I could experience and that. Just, just when you feel like you've got it figured out, then, and then it, I, I, you know, the universe does a rug pull on you and you have to oh, learn totally. it all over again. And, and but so I think it's that's the impermanence of life and you know yeah. it's like the hey, infinite enjoy. game it's the enjoy. infinite okay, game <laughs> i'm gonna have to write this down text me so i can i can read it oh, so so i mean maybe talk about the feeling of satisfaction or maybe relief right because obviously we talked about western <laughs> states it was solid fifth place though unsatisfactory below your potential utmb was a disaster admittedly yeah. dnf I'm sure, you know, there's part of you that sort of starts to think about, man, maybe it's sort of coming closer to the end for me. My best days are maybe closer to the rear view mirror. Um, what was the feeling like to actually, you know, cross the finish line in first place again, having taken this new, mature, healthy mindset and, uh, yeah, sort of like validating yourself that you still had it? It was, it was really special. Um, and you know, and, and we can be frank way too cool is not the biggest, most competitive 50 K in the, in the nation, you know, it's got, it's got yeah. history and yeah, but it's not like, you know, Fourth fastest time ever is a big deal at that race. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, the oldest races in the country that yeah. almost every fast person has ever run. Yeah. I, I think I found myself is what, what also is neat is, you know, it's basically a hometown race. My mom lives 10 minutes away. And so we had our family and some close friends go back to her house for brunch afterwards. And, and I found myself, I, I went into my bedroom and I just like closed the door and, and just like sat in silence and smiled. Like it just felt good. You know, it was like, and I guess it was validation of the, the journey we're on right now is the path I want to be on. And, and yeah, winning helps inflate that a little bit. But I think even if I'd been fourth, because in that race, when I was fourth, I was, I was like, I wasn't sad about that position. Cause I knew I was giving everything I could in the moment. Yeah. And so I think I would have done the same thing. I probably would have gone to my mom's house, closed the door and smiled. And so that was very, it was just truly enjoyable. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think that was, that was neat. And, and it, it also, I think, um, I mean, it, uh, it got me excited for what could be coming up. Um, you know, like we said, you know, okay, what else is possible? Um, but it's, it's because I think my intention with these races moving forward is going to be really trying to deliver my best on those personal, days. Personal um, rather totally. than measuring and, but I think, against somebody else. I think else. that's where you can unlock your potential. Um, and, 100%. and, uh, so that, that, so uh, it's funny after UTMB, I went for a, a run with one of my best friends here in town, John. And I told him on this run, I was like, I don't know if I want to suffer anymore. You know, I, I, I don't think I have it in me. Like I I've done it for such a long time. I know what it takes. And in that moment in September, I was like, I, I don't, I was contemplating like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to continue to you know, like write out my, like my contracts, but it's like, do I really want to be doing this anymore? Mm -hmm. um, and, but I think it's because that thought was tied to needing validation through the results Yep. where now I'm starting to really believe that my potential, like if I run to my potential, I think, no, I don't think I can win Western States. Mm -hmm. I could win UTMB, but winning States or UTMB is not going to change me as a person. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the critical piece that I've always missed where it's like, Oh, when I win this or that, then I've made it, then I valid that, you know, fill in the blank. But it's like, no, no, no. Like 
I, I'm still going to be the same person. Like people are going to move on. Like it's not going to change my life and the way I used to think it would, but it's something I do care about. It's something I want to strive after. And I think having those big, scary goals are important in life because um, they drive you into doing some cool things, but it's starting to do it for the right reason, but also being okay with like, Hey, I want to win these races. And I can say that. And that's not like a, it's something I should be, you know, where it's like, Oh, I'm being cocky or I'm being, yeah. you know, it's like, no, it's okay to say that. Like you can say you want to do X. And so I think that was kind of a pivotal moment where, and the other thing is in the training for, um, for way too cool. I had some four hour runs where time both took forever and was over within like a blink it was like I had achieved that flow state and objectively, like if you looked at my watch, nothing special, but like, I actually enjoyed those, those times, like those yeah. hours out there where, you know, leading this into UTMB and so many of these other, um, cycles I've had the last couple of years, they were not enjoyable. And that's where it's like, it feels like suffering. It. Yeah. It's not suffering if you're actually enjoying the process, but because I was always waiting for the end game to happen to validate some other thing. I couldn't live in the moment because you're always waiting. You're anxious about the future or yeah. guilting over the past. And so you can't get in the flow state. Yeah. And so I think that was another thing where it's like, Hey, and my therapist asked, she's like, when was the last time you enjoyed a run? And I sat there and I thought for a while and I was like, it's kind of sad if running is so pivotal and or like important in my life. And I can't come up with a date that I last actually enjoyed a run. It's like, wow. I put in 500 to a thousand hours in this sport. And it's like, you're not enjoying it. Like, why yeah. are you doing it? You know, but it's kind of like in that build up to cool. I had so many enjoyable runs with Lindsay and other, and like, and it was kind of like, Oh, that's, that's where you got to be, you know? So, so that, that excited me. It's like, Hey, it's not that I don't have a, an appetite to suffer anymore. I think I just like, I was viewing suffering as like, you know, uh, it wasn't enjoyable where if you are potentially like tapping into that flow state, it, you're really capable of doing a lot. Um, if that, yeah, I, I don't know. So it, it got me, it got me pretty psyched just to be like, Hey, I think there's a lot left to do in the sport or, okay. you know, in, in running in general. So, so let's talk about aging now. This is the perfect time to do it. Yeah. When one way too cool. I sent you a text just basically saying, yes, dude, congrats. And you responded old guys, one young gun zero. <laughs> you just turned 37. Today is my yeah. 36th birthday. I think about aging a lot, to be honest, where's yeah. your head at as it relates to being a 37 year old professional athlete? It's interesting. I, I've always, okay. In the last year is the first time in my life. So let's say I was 36 years old. First time ever, I started thinking about that athletic mortality. Yeah. I, you know, cause when you're in your, like you're a teenager, you're in your twenties, even thirties, you just know that you can get better if you like start tweaking things or you get put, get a little more consistency or you're like double down on like some rehab or, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm always going to get better. That's just how it goes. Like year after year, I can get better. And, and, um, and so suddenly I realized, okay, no, like, like that, that endpoint on my true, like genetic ceiling is actually approaching. Um, and I think it kind of just kind of resonated with me that, okay, like I'm not always going to have tomorrow where I was always in that moment is like, okay, like I can mess this up and I'll just, I'll go to UTMB next year. I'll go to UTMB next year. It's like, no, you're going to run out of next year's. Um, and, 
And so I think that kind of really sunk in that it's like, oh no, like you do have this like mortality as a, as a competitive or pro runner. Um, and so I think I, it, it kind of res or it, it, it was a little sad to, to acknowledge that. Um, and then like, I'd say in the last year, as I really start to continue to work on that self-actualization, like, and, and realizing, Hey, like, especially in a sport, like ultra running, the wisdom plays so much more. Like, obviously you have to be, have to be consistent. You have to be healthy. You have to put in training, but I think about all the times I've lost to people that I feel like I should have on paper beat. It's like, okay, now like, let's flip it around. Like who could I beat that on paper, they should be beating me. And I think that that's possible through more of this mental side. And so I'm going into my 37th year feeling eat more hungry to like, see what I'm capable of and knowing that I, I have a few more years to do this, um, at the level I want to do it. And then taking inspiration from other friends, like in the track world, like, you know, people like Sarah Hall, like just crushing it at 38 years old, you know, like all these people that are starting to. And D'Amato, isn't she, she's in her late thirties too, isn't she? She is. Yep. Got the American record. I don't know. I don't know Kira, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's pretty inspiring. And, and so I think that uh, it excites me for the next couple of years. Um, and then especially if you look at the hundred mile mile, it's like, man, if you, if you have a healthy body, which is something if we talk about the aging, like you have to prioritize, you know, be a little more diligent with your, your prehab or your overall stability and strength stuff. Like, you know, these are important things. Um, then there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to continue to compete. And, and that's actually interesting 2017, my best year at UTMB, that was the last time I actually did like stability and strength work. Like, Mm -hmm. and then I just gave myself like everyone does the, all the excuses why I can't fit it in. And like, but it's like, you're, you're a pro runner. You should be doing this. But then, then there's that like internal struggle of like being mad at yourself for not doing what you should have done. And then feeling like you didn't do everything. And so like, it's kind of like now in the last couple of months, I've gotten back onto like those very basic hip and leg stability stuff. And it's like, Oh, no wonder I feel a little better at the end of these runs. No wonder like, you know, things still hurt, but it, like, you're just more powerful. The wisdom, power. the wisdom <laughs> of age. Like I know. And as a tenure therapist, like I'm sitting here saying that I don't do my stuff, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's true. I mean, I'm yeah. human. That's the, that's the reality. Of we all lack discipline sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah. Well said. And certainly, you know, it's when we get into our mid late thirties, you do start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, but you still got a lot of gas left in the tank. And as you said, wisdom is massively valuable in our sport. So God willing, you and I still have many great years ahead of us. So. I mean, my, my, uh, my first UTMB Ludo won, and he was Dude, like, what these, a grand raid. He won this year. He's 47 years old. What an right? absolute animal. So, I mean, you take guys like that. Oh, and He's going to be a Western States, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Dang. So, oh, but well, uh, yeah, so many great examples, men and women in our sport that do that. Yeah. So let's talk about Western States. Yeah way too cool is in the rear view the crosshairs are now firmly on palisades tahoe and a podium or cougar worthy performance there i'm sure <laughs> you don't need to talk about goals but maybe just talk about what the next 90 days look like between now and arriving in olympic valley oh it's going to be just prepping myself more mentally than physically to, to be in a space that I know I can go deep. 
Um, and, and I think it's just going to be continued to work on all the same things I've been doing over the last two years, um, with a little more, um, I think probably just dedicated focus on stuff that like, uh, relates to Western States. Um, and, and, and then I'm realizing, you know, as I said at the beginning, last year, I started having all these puzzle pieces that were floating around and I felt like I was on the right path, which I was, but when you're deep in the canyons, literally you, you need things to be automatic. You can't also then be trying to use your cognition to like, to work through. It's almost like it has to be so habitual that like you're on autopilot, like, and you, you know, like excellence is going to come out because you've practiced it so many times. So I think that's the continuation of what I'll do the next few months is it just, you know, dive into that, that work because it's, it's, it's going to be a continual struggle, but, um, I I'm confident that I can, you know, start replicating that with, with better, um, frequency. Um, and then I'm going to just spend some time out there on the, the West side. Uh, like I said, my mom only lives about 10 minutes away from the track. And, uh, so I'll do some long training weekends or maybe weeks out there now that I have a more flex, flexible schedule, um, and, uh, and link up with some people. And that's another thing I, I've been a, I've been a terrible, uh, running partner for the last like six years. I, I never run with people. Um, and, and that's more out of like, you know, insecurities, but I am going to link up with some people on the West side that live and train there. And, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to those moments where I think it's just going to make the overall process enjoyable where, you know, as I, as we talked about earlier, when you're so fixated on only the outcome, then you can't enjoy the process because you would want the outcome to come. And then whether or not it goes well or poorly, you've missed that big bulk 98% of, you know, the process. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to leaning into that and including more community um, in, in that process. And, you know, I guess basically just being okay with vulnerability. What about competitively? I remember in our last podcast conversation, you said that you sort of had at some points in your career had a unhealthy relationship with racing because you felt like it put you in the spotlight and that if you didn't perform it compromised your confidence, especially just before an A race like Western States. Of course, you're just coming off of great victory at way too cool. Do you imagine yourself racing between now and the end of June? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Um, kind of on the fence. I, I wanted to go to gorge, but, uh, my, my dad's <laughs> birthday is next week and, uh, Lindsay has a race in Sacramento. Um, so uh, next year, next year, yeah, next year. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I need to take a look at the calendar. I, now that I'm starting to work through that relationship with competition better and re realizing that, you know, things don't have to go perfect, then I'm more likely to, to do something because it's an opportunity to prepare for that next thing where, you know, and I think that's, you know, part of the, the whole, you know, getting over that, the pursuit of perfection where, you know, you don't have to win every single race to then have a good race. It's like, no, you, you know, that's really unrealistic. Um, and, um, and so, I mean, even at way too cool, it was kind of a neat little, um, aha moment where when I was in fourth and these three guys were crushing it in front of me, I didn't view that as man, I'm not, I'm inferior at the moment because they're in front of me. I thought they're showing me what's capable and they're these carrots I'm chasing. And it was like this like parad paradigm shift of like, oh, like, okay, like, it, but that's removing myself and like the, the potential like value I was going to get out of it where in that moment, I didn't have to win. I was just like inspired by what they were doing. It allowed me to perform at my best. So 
long way of saying maybe, but I don't really, I mean, it's also kind of hard, like now that Canyons is at the end or not at, but I'm not going to do a hundred K at the end of, yeah. of April. I don't need to, need it's it. like, well, which races are there available? It, I think logistically you might run into some, some potential setbacks, but, um, if something makes sense, I'll, I, I, I probably will race. Um, but, uh, I, I think, uh, it's likely I'm just going to have a lot of big, um, purposeful weekends and, and weeks throughout May and June to be ready for, for, uh, Palisades Tahoe. Yes. Yeah. We hope to be there yeah. to capture the story. Maybe we should just tease our <laughs> little project that we're working on before yeah, we heck yeah. climb down. Yeah. So for our listeners here, Tim and I have been scheming up in collaboration with our good friend, Ryan Thrower, a film project following you in your pursuit of a, awesome performance at Western States this year. So we need to connect, uh, after this recorded phone call here to uh, <laughs> talk about it in more detail, but for the listeners, uh, you know, you'll be on the lookout for that drive to survive meets trail running. Hopefully <laughs> is what we're aiming for. So I'm going to roll up to the start line on a scooter. <laughs> yes, like Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Great, man. So what a fun conversation, man. I uh, so appreciate you sort of coming back on the show and, you know, as a fan and follower of yours, you know, I'm always rooting for you when you're on the start line. And I'm really just like, you're a wealth of knowledge at this point too. And you're so like, we all make mistakes in our career and it's really refreshing to just hear you sort of reflect on those mistakes publicly and own mistakes and share the learnings from them. And, you know, that's like, it's not always easy to sort of talk publicly about things that we're dealing with internally and things that are habitual since we're kids and cause us anxiety. And, you know, I've been there too. And I'm sure many people who are listening have been in the same boat and uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming back on the show. Uh, thanks for putting this together. And, and I, to that same point, I, I hope that at some point we start to see more, ability to network or mentor other athletes in the sport, because I think there are so many men and women, um, you know, from every generation that have so much knowledge, but connecting that with the people that need it, I think is necessary. And so if there, maybe that's part of free trail, you got to like find a, a mentorship <laughs> program. But like, I, I, I think it's so important because, you know, selfishly, if I had started to be privy to some of this information when I was a teenager, you know, and I won't get hung up on the what ifs, but you know, what if, like, you know, what would things have looked differently? Like even just personally. And I think it's, it's a huge disservice if we don't do that for the, the, the incoming generation, because yeah. our sport's going to just continue this meteoric rise. And I'm excited to see where it goes, but I also hopefully learn from, you know, people can learn from us. I mean, I learned from a lot of the greats before us, just reading old blogs and stuff like that. Yeah. Not enough, but you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's uh, a necessary thing to, to always pay that forward. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tim. Well, uh, I'll hit, uh, end on this record button and we'll, we'll okay. start talking about our video series. Thanks for coming. Right. Back be sure, to, be sure to like subscribe, smash <laughs> that something <laughs> button. That like button. Yeah. How about that one? How groovy is Tim? Again, super appreciate him coming on the show. 
being so open, sharing so much about what he's been up to, what he's learned, how he's grown. Really great convo. Super admire this guy. As promised, I put the link to the Mammoth Trail Fest in the show notes or cut out the middleman and just go to mammothtrailfest.com and register for this inaugural event in September where I hope to be shouting into microphones, maybe running and generally enjoying the good vibes in the Eastern Sierra. Guys, if you've never been to Mammoth, it's unreal. Honestly, one of the best trail running destinations in the world. You owe it to yourself to check it out. Go check out mammothtrailfest.com. Throw your support behind Tim and what he's trying to build there. Really awesome. As always, a big shout out to our sponsors, Speedland. Visit runspeedland.com for the best shoes in the game. Lots of really fun stuff coming with these guys. I can't wait to share. Gnarly Nutrition, gonarly.com. Best nutrition products on the market, NSF certified for sport. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. Finally, Inside Tracker. These guys are awesome. I got a sweet blood test that gave me an amazing glimpse into my own health and well being and fitness. I'm really excited to dig more into those results here with a dietitian this week, and I will share exactly what we learned. But in the meantime, go to insidetracker.com forward slash free trail for 20% off your blood tests for uh, the same sort of test that I got for a glimpse into your own health and where you can improve. Again, these links are all in the show notes. Again, this show does not exist without our sponsors and they need to see a return on their investment in us uh, in order for the show to exist. So if you can show your support to the people who do support us, we really appreciate it. We've got Free Trail Friday coming up where we're gonna do a gorge preview. So check that out at noon on Friday. We've got more really fun Free Trail Friday content planned on our weekly live stream, noon PST every week on the Free Trail YouTube channel. Go follow Run Free Trail on Instagram for some race action this weekend. The 100K is on Saturday, 50K is on Sunday. It's gonna be super fun and uh, we'd love it, love it if you check in occasionally this weekend. Okay, I think that's it for this one. Thanks everybody for being here and listening all the way to the end. Always really appreciate you guys for being here, leaving reviews and uh, saying hello on the trails, which has been happening more recently. It fills my heart. Love you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.